0: guest today is Derek Wentworth from New Zealand. Hi, welcome. Thank you. Good to be part of the place. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So if you could share for our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do, what brings you to the Aurora Institute, um, we'd love to hear. Oh, thank you. Yeah, great to be a part of this. Look, um, the reason I'm here, I guess, is through a connection with Susan Patrick, actually. Mm-hmm. When she visited New Zealand a few years ago, I had a great opportunity to introduce her to some of the work that we're doing. Um, I was uh, a director at core education at that stage, an organisation, a not-for-profit that I started with a couple of others and uh, have ended up working right through New Zealand, early childhood, right through to tertiary. And um, so our expenses there gave an opportunity to um, to show Susan the sorts of things that we're up to. And I guess my special passion, my interest is... is is around how we're preparing our kids for the future, mm-hmm. uh, more than just the hyperbole that's around and the the, the rhetoric that we hear. Free, but something how we genuinely connect with the things that are going to matter in their lives into the future, and how we develop our curriculum and our approach to teaching and learning, the impact that it has on teacher training, on the way that we design and develop school systems, mm-hmm. and and design schools themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's it's quite a big pot, but really future focus is at the centre of that. Mm-hmm. So you work with. Um, um, the public school system and private schools? or who do you Pr- Mostly the public school system in New Zealand. System. We we have very few private schools in New Zealand. Yeah. Um, we have a, a number of schools that are uh, in that sort of in between where they, they are heavily sure. funded by uh, parents with fees and that sort of thing. But um, the vast majority of New Zealand system is a public system. Mm. So what do you see when you're working closely with schools or teachers when teachers first and the, the systems first start thinking about being more future centric. What are what are the some of the things you see happen? <clears throat> Look, I, I think it's the same thing the world around wherever I've seen it is um it's the baggage of the past really. Yeah. Um so there's there's pretty much a common thing you see is the inspiration for the, for the things that could be done. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not hard to tug the heartstrings of teachers about young people all sort of thing. But when it comes to making the change, right. the baggage of the past that's enshrined both in our policy and our legislation, but also just in our practice and our customs and traditions, uh, seems to be the sort of thing that we need to break through. So you need a really powerful theory of change mm-hmm. to break through that and, and get people's buy-in.
0: Mm-hmm. So... One of the things right. that is I it, see yeah. when you talk about the baggage of the past and making this actual change—if um, you're in a district that is really s- stuck in the past—for a better way to not a better way to say that—but <laughs> how does how do you what, what what are the first steps you would suggest for that to for that to happen? If somebody comes in with like strong ideas about changing the ways you want to do things,
1: but you can't yeah. do everything at once. So it, it, it's it's interesting. I mean. You, you may, made it sound disparaging to say we're stuck in the past, but the reality is we're all stuck in the past. Right. Our, we are, Our systems are mm-hmm. stuck in the past to some degree or another. And so I think the uh, the, the comment that you made, Courtney, as I was coming in you know, it makes you inspired to want to start a new school. That's, mm-hmm. oth- that's something I often hear mm-hmm. uh, people say, and, and it's a direct kind of uh, reflection of the fact that we feel so constrained or stifled or whatever by the traditional system that we see the only way to do this is to start a new school whereas my my argument is that's not where every kid is we've we've got kids are in the regular school system so we must change what we're doing there so to your point Matt the the start point is to come back and just be prepared to rigorously challenge the why behind every single thing that we're doing mm-hmm. and and to feel safe in doing that. You know, not to feel like we're going to be cast upon or, or that we're going to be uh, criticised or lose our credibility, but actually to do that in good faith and with our communities and then work, work in the small ways. Whatever, whatever start point we decide, that's going to be a good enough place to start, mm-hmm. right? But it has to be Really deep, really challenging, and it has to be system-wide through the whole school. No point just having some interesting things happening in one class, and the kids then go on to the regular teacher the next year. Right across the system.
0: Right. So you said something interesting, or interesting about all kids, and we've traveled around a bit and we've looked at some of these, some of these places where they're doing some great things, but they're only for the kids who can afford it, or you yeah. know they they have the right parents, they have the right connections, or they just have the means but you're right it's not about all we want to we want to change public schools Courtney and I are big public school like advocates work within and make the change because it's about all kids not just the special kids you know special in quotes there Um, but that is a that's a massive shift yeah yeah that i i i get discouraged sometimes because i know i'm not sure if i can actually make this change or be part of the change i come to things like this or institute and everyone here is on board yep. that that these are our people but how does that spread outside of this
1: well i mean you're right these are the people at the Institute, but the people I've been talking to here are the people who can influence the change where they go back, so they're all tackling the same issue and problem when you've got a district superintendent that's their job, that's their role, they ought to be able to create the conditions and create the, the opportunities and create the incentives for mm-hmm. that change to happen and if they're not doing it, then they're not doing the job right? so if you come to a conference like this and you get inspired mm. and you, you see the change needing to happen, then that's what you've got to do and if it means going to, you know, government legislature at, at a state or a federal level, uh, then so be it. And, and I can speak quite passionately about that, I guess. Mm-hmm. But that, that is how urgent and important it is. Uh, and I guess... I, I'm, I'm really privileged and it's an opportunity to share that here in a country like New Zealand. We're, just, we're so small that we can actually do that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, in my career, I could walk in and out of ministers' offices and I can do that sort of thing. And it doesn't just have to be people like me. Regular teachers have their voice. And I think um, that's, that's the heart of agency, right? And it's mm-hmm. the heart of, mm-hmm. of making sure the change happens. Well,
0: those are those that you just mentioned, agency. And that's one, one way, I think, that we can make some quick change. Uh, is just developing agency with our teachers. Absolutely. uh, Teachers first, and because once they have the agency, they'll know what that looks like in their classrooms. Uh, But again, that's just a a massive shift, but I think that might be one place to
1: really Look, I I think you're right, Matt. I think um, the point I made at the end of my talk was about that because I'd been talking with schools about agency for some time, and and it suddenly occurred to me that actually it was like a foreign concept to so many mm-hmm. of the teachers because mm-hmm. actually when they went back into their practice, they had no agency at all. And, and a large amount of that was what was in their heads. And mm-hmm. It was imagined. And so they were the ones who were constrained and conforming and complying mm-hmm. rather than being released and, and having that opportunity. The schools that I work in, and you've probably seen the same thing, where the best things are happening are the schools where on a regular basis you find teachers who are saying, I think we should try such and such. And the first response is, let's do this. What do you need? What's the support? But let's also put a few things in place to check how it's going. So it's that uh, that quick wins, but um, the fail fast, fix fast, or fix fast, fail fast Mm -hmm. kind of thing, where you can say, okay, it's not going so well. We're not going to put it in place for a year and then learn from it. We do it on a daily basis. We engage actively in that sort of inquiry and, and innovative cycle.
0: So when we talk on our podcast, one of our taglines is we talk through the do-do's and don't-do's of personalized learning. Yep. So if you were to offer the biggest do-do to our listeners about personalized
1: learning, what would it be? Uh, I think the do-do starts with understanding your learners. Because if you're going to personalize the learning, that's... That's the learner that's impacted, right? And so understanding them as unique individuals and what their strengths are and and what those cultural assets are that they bring into the classroom, you know, from their appearance, their background. So it's not just what they've learned in the scaffolded learning, but it's, it's a much broader thing than that. The don'ts are consider personalised learning as something that you do for or to the kid mm-hmm. uh, and I see that o- over and over, whereas uh, teachers feeling swamped because now, I used to just have to produce one lesson plan, now I've got to do 25 of them that's that's the wrong approach, right? which is where it comes back to shifting the ownership because mm-hmm. if we're going to personalise learning then it's the students who need to drive it not the teachers who are managing, controlling and structuring the meetings. Derek Warnham, thank you very much